to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Praise God. And uh, we're going to jump into the Word, but I wanted to say that at the end of the service, and unless the Lord tells me not to, I've purposed in my heart to lay hands on the sick tonight before we go. And uh, so I've been making my confessions and stirring myself up. You know, I've got, you know, we all have a mandate on our life as Christians to lay hands on the sick. You know, Mark 16 says it's not about preachers, it's not about people with special ministries, but every Christian can lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus and they will recover. Amen? You know, healing always begins when prayer is made and faith is released. Amen? Now, whether or not that healing continues, right, and has its full way in that person depends on what they do. But healing always begins. And uh, praise God. So I'm greatly anticipating my opportunity. And and I said that, but I do also, not apologizing for it, uh, do have some special endowments and anointings in my life for healing that maybe not everybody has. And I just want you, if you come to the line tonight, to be prayed for. Come expecting. Just come expecting to receive your healing, to receive your miracle. Grab hold of it. Amen? Uh, Because God wants you to have it. Praise the Lord. And uh, so that's, that's coming here before we leave tonight. Well, you know, we've been talking about revival. Amen. Like I said, it may not have felt like it, but we have been talking about the ingredients uh, and the steps necessary uh, for the body of Christ. And we're members of the body of Christ individually to experience revival. Uh, you know, anyone that needs reviving, that means they were vived, but they lost it. You know, they lost the oomph. They lost their love and feeling. They, they, aren't as, they, they, weren't, they aren't as hungry for the Word as they once were. They, weren't, they aren't you know, as bubbly in their uh, commitment to the Lord and their love for Jesus Christ and their desire to pray and their, their want to to serve and all of the things that we experience if you have a real conversion when you get born again. Amen? And it's not about having a feeling all the time. Praise God. But if we need, if we're not on the cutting edge of our spiritual life, then we're a candidate for revival. It doesn't make us evil. It just means God wants to, He wants to refresh us and bring us back to the place where we once were and then get out there where we're pushing into some new territory in our life. Amen. None of us have touched or experienced the the near fullness of what God wants to do in our life. Amen. And uh, so anyway, one of the things that we've been talking about for the last few services, and I know maybe it's been uncomfortable for the mind uh, and our feelings to hear, is that we're addressing the topic of sin. You know, now whatever sins you may have committed, you know God's not moved by your sin. He's not freaked out by the most egregious thing. It doesn't mean He's pleased by it. But the fact is that more than, you know, about 2,000 years ago, according to our calendar, it's been longer than that, right? Jesus, hallelujah, came to the earth, took upon the form of a servant, and became the propitiation for all of our sins. That all of the payment and the punishment and the anger that we were deserving of because of the sins we have committed, that we may commit in the future, God forbid, Uh, Praise God. All of that wrath and all of that anger was poured out upon God's Son. Amen. And God is not angry with us today. Yet sin is still an issue. Sin is still an issue. Not in terms of our being the righteousness of God. You know, God birthed a relationship with us when we were born again. And when we commit acts of wrongdoing or if we fail to do something that we no, we should do. That's an act of omission, right? That's also a sin. The Bible says in Romans 14, it also says in James uh, that, uh, you know, it, it just I'm putting the two phrases together, that if you know to do something that's right and you don't do it, to you that's a sin. Amen. Well, praise God, our relationship with God remains intact, thank God even in the midst of our having done wrong or failed to do something right that we should have. Amen. Amen. But what we have not, I don't believe, made a proper distinction in and a clarifying point as teachers for the saints is that though our relationship and our standing with God legally 
Amen. We don't cease to become his son and daughter when we sin and make a mistake. Thank God. Right? Just like my, my kids don't cease to be my kids when they break a rule, do something wrong. Amen. But we haven't made this distinction in the church between a relationship that is not broken, but fellowship that is. There's a difference in the New Testament between relationship and fellowship. Amen. And when we sin, our fellowship with God is broken. Our fellowship with God is broken. And it can be quickly repaired. You know, the Bible says, come boldly. Come confidently. Come fearlessly before the throne of grace. And and you can come there for any reason. But he said, come boldly to the throne of grace, the throne of his unmerited favor, that you may obtain mercy, the Amplified Bible says, mercy for your failures. Amen. He wants you to come boldly to Him and obtain the mercy you need for your failures if you need to. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you glad we can? Praise God. Aren't you glad God didn't just turn and say, you know, I've washed my hands with you, I'm done with you. Uh, you, you just ticked me off and I'm, I'm going to cast you to the curb. No, praise God. He just says, listen, come, sweetie, come boldly and get what you need. I've got all the mercy you're ever going to need, just, but you've got to come and get it. Hallelujah. And in 1 John 1, 9, we have the recipe for actually practically speaking of how to obtain that mercy once we come to the throne. And that is simply to confess our sin to Him. That we verbalize uh, the thing that we did wrong or the thing that we failed to do right. Amen. We just own it. We don't blame anybody for it. We say, Father, look, I know you know it all together, but I'm acting on your word. I blew this. I did it. I'm responsible. And I ask you to forgive me. Amen. And I, uh, 1 John 1, 9 says and that he does. Right then, right? He forgives you of your sin and he cleanses you of all unrighteousness. And from that moment, regardless of whether you feel forgiven or not, from that very moment, God's forgotten it. And your fellowship is restored. And you ought to just go on and enjoy sweet fellowship with Jesus. Amen. And God is your father. Praise God. And so we want to make sure people are understanding, praise God, that as we're talking about and addressing something that is almost unheard of and talked about in, in the modern church today, and that is that you need to quit sinning. Amen. Uh, praise God. The fact that it's been ultimately paid for and that our relationship with God is, is unsevered when we sin, uh, amen, doesn't mitigate the fact that we need to quit it. Praise God. And that the sins that we commit uh, will hinder us and hinder God from wanting to move and being able to move in our midst, in our lives, the way He wants to. Amen. Praise God. Here in Romans chapter 6, I want to just read several verses. And for a few minutes, I want to talk to you tonight about how to kick the sin habit. (laughs) Amen. How to kick the sin habit. Now, uh, in that, I'm not talking about, you know, something comes up and, oh, man, I missed it. You know, I just, I I missed that. And that that just, and I, 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 man, that's a rare thing and that doesn't happen. And and I confess it and I'm forgiven and praise God I'm past. Now, I'm talking about the habitual thing. I'm talking about that thing that you've probably got in your life, amen, that you tend to stumble over, if not daily, often. Call it a stronghold. Uh, Call it a pattern of sinful behavior. You don't like it. You don't want it in your life, but you seem to be tripping over that again and again and again. That's the kind of habitual sin that we want to talk to you tonight about how to get get that behind you in your life. Amen? Amen. In Romans chapter 6, let's begin reading in verse 1. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin or in sin that grace may abound? What's God's answer? God forbid or certainly not. So the fact that we have received the abundance of grace and have been made the righteousness of God in Christ is no excuse, amen, to continue in sin. Praise God. In fact, it is the opposite. So he says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? 
Know you not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk how? In newness of life. Now again, you know we have so many new people and thank God for it. Remember, the word walk in the New Testament means manner of life or lifestyle or the way you live. So, you know, in Ephesians, there's a scripture that says walk worthy of the Lord, right? The word walk means the way you live, right? We need to live in such a way that uh, is worthy of the God that we have and the God that we say we serve. Amen. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old, notice the phrase, our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, that means from now on, we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Verse 11, likewise reckon. See, God's kind of a hick kind of guy, right? He talks like us, reckon. <laughs> no, this word reckon is not a hick term, right? It is an accounting term. It's an accounting term. Uh, it means we are to designate, amen, ourselves or call ourselves or consider ourselves to be what? Dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Amen. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members, talking about your body, as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. Now the remaining part of that chapter is just as good. Now, again, over in the Phillips translation, let me read to you a few of the phrases uh, of how about, uh, Mr. Dr. Phillips, whoever he is, translates this. I, I like how he brings some of this out. In verse 1, he says, you just have to listen. Now, what is our response to be? Shall we sin to our heart's content and see how far we can exploit the grace of God? Mm -mm -mm. What a ghastly thought. We who have died to sin, how could we live in sin a moment longer? Let us never, in a, further down, it says, let us never forget that our old selves, Mark, are you working on me? Yeah, because I really got an echo up here. Let us never forget that our old selves died with him on the cross, that the tyranny of sin over us might be broken. For a dead man can safely be said to be immune to the power of sin. A little bit further it says, In the same way, look upon yourselves as dead to the appeal and power of sin, but alive and sensitive to the call of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 12, Do not then allow sin to establish any power over your mortal bodies in making you give way to your lusts nor hand over your organs to be, as it were, weapons of evil for the devil's purposes. But like men rescued from certain death, put yourselves in God's hands as weapons of good for His own purposes. For sin is not meant to be your master. You are no longer living under the law, but under grace. And so, one of the things I would just say to you at the outset is that if you're struggling with a particular sin, read Romans chapter 6 over and over and over and over again until it kickstart your spiritual motivator to stop that. Amen? But you could see from these verses that we've read and outlined that as a born-again believer, under God's grace, 
We are not to exploit the grace of God. And this takes me back in my mind to uh, a, uh, an instance I had back at the Methodist church that I grew up in. And uh, I, uh, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, but my lifestyle back then was that I was a heavyweight sinner Monday, th- Monday through Saturday night. And then I went to church on Sunday morning and felt really bad about all that I had done all the week. And when I had opportunity, I would go down to the altar bench in the altar and I would kneel down and I would sincerely ask God to forgive me for all of the debauchery and all of the sin and all the disobedience and all the unholiness I had committed the previous week. Amen. And I had begun to make a habit of that. And so every week there's Chris down there repenting. And I mean... Repenting, And one Sunday, the Lord got tired of that. And I was walking as I had just got through, you know, you know, what I was doing is I was uh, uh, paying the bill and getting my sin credit card clear so that I'd have some credit to go sin the rest of the week, the week coming up. Amen. And I had done that. And here I am walking back to my seat. And I'll never forget. I'm walking down the aisle back to my seat. And the Lord spoke to me in my heart. He said, you know, son, every week you come down here and you ask me to forgive you these sins and in my mercy and faithfulness, you know, I always do. But he said, you know, there's a sin you commit every week. You've never yet asked me to forgive you that sin. And I said, well, what is it, Lord? He said, the prostitution of my grace. The prostitution of my grace. That's the same thing. That's a a very similar word. uh, A prostitute is being exploited. Right? They're being exploited. And that's what Philip said. That how shall we who have been freed from sin, born again, amen, live any longer in it, exploiting the grace of God? God didn't pour out His grace on our life and make us a new creature so that we could keep living the old way. He didn't say that because He was mad at me. There was no anger in His voice. He was helping me because I was deceived. I was deceived. He was faithful, sure enough. Every, every week I went down there and confessed all those sins. And he, he was faithful and just to forgive me of all those sins. But because I, I didn't see I was committing this sin, that I was using God. I was taking advantage of His mercy and grace. And it changed me from that day. I, didn't, I don't mean I left there and I was perfect. But I realized He's got a, way, a good way of jarring, you know, of realizing what I was doing. That I shouldn't treat God's mercy that way. I shouldn't leave an altar bench being sincere in that moment, but get up from that altar bench fully intending to go out on Monday and keep doing the very thing that I'd been doing. God's grace is bigger than that. He gave us His grace for more than that. Thank God one definition of the grace of God, amen, is the unmerited, unearned mercy and favor of God. But you turn the grace coin other, the other definition of that, amen, is where many people are missing it. And what we need to tap into. And that is that the grace of God is not only His mercy and His unearned favor, it is the divine ability in our life as Christians to enable us to live a life that would please Him. Not not as a matter of fleshly willpower, but a divine grace, a divine ability to live a new life. And to live a new way. Amen? Praise God. You know, uh, let me remind you of uh, the definition of holiness. Amen? Holiness is not about having a complete list of rules of do's and don'ts. It's not about, you know, uh, skirts, lengths, and, uh, you know, lack of makeup or makeup or any of that kind of extreme bondage. Right? That, that's extreme on that side. Then on the other side, it's not all this loosey-goosey stuff that God doesn't have a standard, He doesn't care. Amen. So God's definition of holiness is pleasing God in all things at all times. Amen. And let me refresh your memory before I go any further about you know, something we were talking about last week. And that is something that the prophet Randall Greer said. He said, you're wasting your time, body of Christ, praying for an outpouring of God's Spirit while the church is in the condition it's in today. 
He said we need to work on the receiving side because God sent it. He's committed. Praise God. He wants revival more than we want it. He's not withholding His glory. He's not withholding miracles, signs, and wonders. He's not withholding uh, the Shekinah, the manifested glory of God, His presence. But we have disqualified ourselves from receiving those weighty and wonderful things in manifestation. So we got to work on the receiving side. And he said, well, we're going to have to change three things. He said the body of Christ is too irreverent, too worldly, and too ungodly. Amen? Irreverent means disrespectful. Worldly means too much like the world. You know, 1 John 2.16 says, Love not the world, Christian. Love not the world or all the things that are in it. And he described the, the, the sins of the world in, in three ways. He said the, there's the sin of the eyes, the sins of the flesh, and the pride of life. You know, your reputation and you know, keeping up with the Joneses and, and, and all of that kind of foolishness. Amen? And he goes on, and, and other books talk about it too, that anyone that is the friend of the world is the enemy of God. That's the New Testament. That if we're too friendly with the world, we are the enemies of God. Amen. So we're working on becoming more reverent of God and His things. More respectful. Amen. More honorable. But less worldly. Less worldly means we're going to have to be more spiritual. That's all that means. How do I become less worldly? Well, don't focus on the not worldly. Get your eyes off the world and focus on becoming more spiritual. And then he said, we gotta, we've got to you know, fix the, all of the ungodliness. What is, what is ungodly? Well, anything that's ungodly, is it doesn't have God's approval. If it's godly, it's God approved. How do I know if a movie is okay to go watch? Can you sit there with Jesus in manifested form and watch that movie? Yeah. Amen. Amen. If you can, then it's godly. But if you wouldn't go there, if you wouldn't do that, if you wouldn't eat it, drink it, say it, take part in it, amen, amen. with Jesus in manifested form with you by the hand as your date, as your honored guest, then it doesn't carry, if it doesn't carry God's approval, it's not godly. And we really don't have any business participating and joining ourselves to putting our ear on or our eyes on anything that is something that's not God approved. <laughs> Amen? Okay. So I have several things here. And uh, praise God, I wanted to give them to you. Number one, go to Ephesians 4, talking about how do I kick the sin habit. You know, one of the sure signs that you really are saved is that you don't want to sin anymore. But if you're perfectly okay trying to call yourself a Christian, but you're going to pet and indulge yourself in a particular sin, any sin, then you're not saved. You're not saved. Because the fruit of the new man on the inside hates sin. You remember in Romans, there we, in Romans 6, we, we read a reference. He referenced the old man. The old man. What is, what is the old man? That old person that you were before you came to the cross. See, at the cross, that old man's supposed to die. That old Chris that you all never met, you wouldn't have liked him. Amen. I had some, I had some decent qualities because God created me and my personality and all that, but I was kind of a scoundrel. Your wallet wasn't safe around me. Your daughter wasn't safe around me. I'm just telling you, amen. And uh, uh, praise God. So, but see, when I came to the cross, that guy died. Paul said the same thing in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, I was crucified with Christ. That old man, that old guy, Saul, amen. I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. A new creation. Old things having passed away, 
All things. Aren't you glad it says all things? All things having been made new. Hallelujah. So the old man, when you read that in your New Testament, the old man is referring to the person that used to be a dead without standing with God, right? Didn't have the life and nature of God on the inside of them, and they were a sinner. But the new man, so I'm about to give you my first thing. How do I kick this old habit? Well, let's read it, the first step, in Ephesians 4. The first thing I'm going to talk to you about quickly. Verse 22. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. And I'm going to read mine uh, for time's sake. Just skip right to the New Living Translation. Ephesians 4, 22. Notice what Paul says, and he's writing to Christians. Throw off your old sinful nature. Your former way of life. I want to emphasize that for a moment. What did he say? Throw off your former way of life. Throw it off. Right? Which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on... New King James? King James says what? Put on what? Put on the new man. Well, aren't they a new man already? They are. But he says, put on the new man. You know, I came here tonight and just for you, I, I took a shower and I shaved my face and gelled my hair. Amen. And I did this and I ironed my shirt. And right, because I wanted you to see the new man, right? Not that guy that gets up in the morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And I do that every day. I do it every day. Right? Praise God. Paul is saying, put on the new man. I'm going to make a comment about that. But that's his instruction to believers. Put on the new man. Put on, verse 24 in New Living says, Put on your new nature that is created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now I like the message translation also. It says, you just listen to me. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life has to go. Everything, I mean everything, connected to your old way of life before the cross, before meeting Jesus, must go. Are you still dragging it behind you like Linus in his little blanket, refusing to let go of that old thing, that old way? Amen? You better let it go. He goes on and says, it's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life. A life renewed from the in get this, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. That's the message translation. So if you want to kick the sin habit, you've got to get up every day and put on the new man. Now, practically speaking, what is he talking about? What he means is you get up every day and remind yourself, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I am not that old person that used to drink and used to smoke and used to cuss and used to tell racial jokes and, and used to steal and used to lie and, and used to go to bars and untoward places. Amen? we got to get up every day and on purpose put on the new man. Amen? Now, to be even more specific with you, what that means is to get up every day and consciously identify with who you are now in Christ. Amen? You see, when we talk about sin, the reason where, where people get, man, they get into bondage so much so they don't even want to address a sin issue. And I, I'm not endeavoring to do that. We have to address the sin issue. But the way you're going to break the power of sin over your life is not by trying harder to stop it. Most of you have tried that till you wore yourself out. There is no strength in the flesh to defeat the flesh. Your flesh in the area of sin is your enemy. And the best you can do with it is rule it. Rule it. Don't, don't let my outer facade fool you. There is evil in my flesh. There is resident sin in my flesh. Amen? And if I let it go unruled, 
And if I didn't dominate it with a strong spiritual life, amen, amen. then my flesh would do exactly what your flesh would want to do. Take you into the ditch, pull you into darkness, and ruin your life. A flesh, fleshly, carnal appetites is the residue of the old man. Man, I, I wish I had a lot. I wish I had a lot more time. But anyway, praise God. This goes back to to really understand this. You have to understand you're a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. The thing that was made new about you at the cross, at the new birth, is your spirit. Is your spirit right? To be born again is to be made a new creation in the spirit. In your spirit. Amen? But your body's not touched by the new birth. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions is not touched by the new birth. Right? If you were fat before you got born again, you found out you're fat after. If you were skinny before you got born again, you found out you're skinny after. If you're bald, amen, uh, when you, before you got saved, you found out you're bald after you got saved. Isn't that right? Right? If you had blue eyes before you got saved, you got blue eyes out. Your body was not touched. And it'll still do everything it did before. What's different is the man on the inside. The man on the inside. Hallelujah. Maybe you've read a scripture that bothered you as a new believer. It did me. And it's a scripture in Philippians that says, Work out. Work out your own salvation. In fear and trembling. And I thought, oh, Jesus, I thought I was saved by grace. Am I not saved by grace through faith? What do you mean work out my own salvation with fear and trembling? What he means is you're born again and righteous and holy in your spirit on the inside. What you have to learn to do now is work that righteous man, that new man in Christ, out into every area of your life and, your, and every aspect of your conduct. Amen? You have to go from being a mind-ruled, a feeling-ruled, a body-ruled person to a spiritual person. Where the spirit man, the new man in Christ, is now ruling and reigning the other parts of your being. Amen? So how am I going to kick the sin habit? I'm going to put on the new man. I'm going to put him on. Right? In Colossians, there's a, passion, a, 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 a companion scripture. It's in Colossians chapter 3. It says the same thing. It says, put off the old man, put on the new man. How do I do that? You don't, you don't step into your bathroom. No. Praise God. What he means is you consciously remind yourself, I'm no longer that. I'm no longer that. That old life is dead. That old man is gone. I'm a new creature in Christ. And, you, and that's how you, how do I put on the new man? You talk it. You talk who you are in Christ. That's what you do. That's how you put on the new man. So for instance, I quoted a moment, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, is that you? Are you in Christ? Well, then you need to say that. You need to put that man on. You put it on with your mouth. Amen? So you would say, I would get up and say, Oh, thank you, Father. Good morning. It's so good to be a new creation. Hallelujah. I am a born again believer. I am born of the spirit. I have God on the inside. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. So you put that on. Don't identify with the old way of life, the old mindset. Come on. The old man that used to dominate you with your words, with your mind, with your meditation, you put on the new man in Christ. The thing about it is, is that most Christians are never taught who the new man is. Amen. In fact, they're taught exactly the opposite. Many Christians are wrongfully taught that the only difference between them and the unsaved world out there is that their name is written in a book they can't see. And that is not true. If you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the very life and nature of God has been inserted into your spirit. You have been recreated and you're a brand new species, one translation says of 2 Corinthians 5. A new species of being that never existed before that time. You are born again. You have been born the second time. You have been born and made a, you're alive unto God. Hallelujah. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner saved by grace, but now you are a saint. 
It is so vitally important if you want to end that life of sin is that you stop, you know, don't spend all your time trying to resist the urge to do this or that or to go here or there. Put your time, put your energies in discovering, thinking about, talking about who you are now in Christ. Who am I? You have to get into the New Testament, especially what we call the epistles or the letters, right? To the church of. And there are, uh, Brother Hagin says, I, I don't think I brought it out. He's got a little mini book. I'm thinking about buying a copy for everybody. Uh, amen. It's a little mini book. It's called In Him. And in there, he lists all the references in the New Testament. There's a, approximately 140 of them. And they say things like who you are in Christ, what you have because you're in Him, or things that you can do because you are in Him. So again, I've got a sin that I want to break free from. Well, put on the new man. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's what you need to put that on. You need to meditate that. You need to put that in your eyes. Amen. I mean, before your eyes and keep it in your mouth. Amen. And when the devil says, oh, you're that same old thing, you're going to fail again. Sure enough. No, you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? When the enemy wants to attack your self-worth and your self-esteem and remind you about your past, you need to put on the new man. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he who knew no sin was made to be sin, that I might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's who you are. That is who you are. It may not be who you thought you were. It may not be how you feel you are. On the outside, it may not look like that's who you are. But in God's eyes, Brother Trevor, when he looks at you, Miss Cynthia, he sees a righteous man. He sees a righteous being. He looks beyond your flesh. He looks beyond the soul. He looks down on the spirit man and that's how he sees you. A born again child of God. And you know in your spirit, when you get to heaven, you're not going to be more righteous then than you are right now today. In your spirit, you're as righteous as you're ever going to get. You can't get, there is no such thing as, well, I'm 85% righteous. I'm working on getting 90% righteous. No, when God made you a new creature, you were made 100% righteous. In your spirit. But you've got to learn how to, glory to God, live out of your spirit. It's a learning process, right? You've got to learn how to live out of your spirit and let your spirit begin to dominate, dominate the dictates of your flesh, the appetites of your flesh. And as you learn how to do that, amen, get your mind off the failure, get your mind off the temptations, put on the new man. And those little books and things like that are so wonderful because they've got all those verses highlighted for you. And what you could do is you just flip to them or look them up on your phone, highlight them, and it's going to tell you something that you are or someone, something that you have or something you can do because you're in Christ. Yeah. And no matter, by faith, you need to apply that to yourself. Amen? Amen. So when it says in Colossians chapter 1, around verse 12, that in Him I am redeemed, yeah. right? Uh, and in Him I have received redemption. In Him I have received an inheritance. Put that in your mouth. Well, I'm in Him. That means I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And I have an inheritance and I'm walking in it. Make it personal. Hallelujah. Praise God. And the more you identify with who the Bible says you are, the more you will find yourself living the way the Bible says you should live. Almost by accident. It's not psychology. It's not about self-help. It's not about just resisting your natural being and stop it, stop it, stop it. You know, a pastor getting up and saying stop it, (laughs) that has no value really if you're not equipped, right? With the knowledge that you need on how to overcome the things that's been tripping you up. Amen. Praise God. So you just need to give your mental attention. You need to meditate, find out, talk, declare, make it personal. This is who I am. This is what I value. This is what I believe. If God says I can do it, I can do it. 
Amen. I mean, if he says you're a chosen generation, a peculiar people, right? A holy nation, then that's who you are. If he says that uh, in Christ, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good things, taking prepared paths that he prearranged and made ready, living the good life, then that's you, baby. I don't care what it looks like. You just need to say, I am his workmanship. He is working on me. I'm the clay. He's the potter. Amen. And I'm becoming more and more like Christ every day. I'm walking those prearranged paths that he's made. I'm living the good life. Talk it. Amen. And I'm telling you, you will find yourself sinning less by identifying with the new man in Christ. Everyone say, put on the new man. Put on the new man. man. All right. Number two is uh, my counsel is use the sword of the spirit. Now, we won't go there for time's sake, but you know, Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive. The word of God is alive. It is a living thing. It is quick. It is powerful. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. Amen? Listen, if you've got some ingrained sin habit, if you are brave enough, amen, then you could take the sword of the Spirit and cut, carve out that sin right out of your character. Now, I'll tell you a quick illustration of how, how to do that. Now, I grew up... And just because I was an ornery kid, amen, who was just flat willing to deceive my parents to get what I wanted. Well, I learned quick the, uh, the art of lying. Amen. And I didn't know what I was doing. But I mean, I just developed such a skill with telling false things. Amen. That lying just became a way of life for me. I mean, I could just flat look my mother in the eye and tell her a whopper and make it so convincing she wouldn't doubt it. And it was flat the opposite of that. And walk off with no conscience, no feeling about it. Glad I got away with it. Sure enough. I'm I'm not proud to tell you that. I'm just telling you the kind of way I was. Well, I'm born again. And I'm going on and I'm just, I'm sad to tell you that, you know, I'm even in the ministry to a degree, but, and I wasn't meaning to, but I had such a lying tongue, tongue, lying had become such an unconscious habit that I began to notice I'm hurting my marriage because marriage is built on trust. I don't know if you know that people won't talk about love and love is important, but you don't have a marriage, not a real one, if there's not trust there. Amen. And, uh, and man, I, I, Amber would ask me something and out would come a lie. And on the inside of me, while the lie's coming out, I'm going, where'd that come from? Why did I say that? I'm trying to get it back. How am I going to get out of this? And you know, when you lie once, then you've got to tell three or four to cover up the lie you told. Well, one day, she confronted me about that issue. And it, it, it really was an arrow that struck me. And I'm glad about it. Because she was able to articulate to me in that moment the damage it was doing to her, to her heart, and to our marriage. And so I just went and took a long walk. And I just repented and I asked her to forgive me. And then I just began to set out on a quest. i got to change this about myself. Amen. Well, here's what I mean about taking the sword of the Spirit. You know, we love looking up scriptures about how much God loves us, you know, and that we have a supply and by the stripes we're healed. Man, we want to plaque that stuff all over. But you know what I did? I looked up every scripture I could find on lying and liars from the old. And I made me a long list of everything the Bible had to say about lies and liars and scriptures like no lie shall go unpunished. That every liar shall have their part in the lake of fire that burns with hell and brimstone. Now, you don't put that on your refrigerator most of the time, do you? No, that's not the kind of scripture we like to look at every day. But I looked at all those, and the Word of God is a mirror. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And it was not comfortable for me to read those scriptures and have to admit, that's you, brother. You're a liar, sure enough. You don't get this changed. 
there's punishment coming for you. Well, what I did was I meditated on that. And I read those scriptures and I read them out loud. And it didn't take long. But remember the word of God is also described as a seed. The incorruptible seed. And I kept planting that seed of the word of God. And the Bible says about the word of God that it's got the power within that scripture to bring itself to pass. Amen. Whatever scripture it is. So if it's a scripture on healing, there's enough power in that healing scripture to flat heal your body if you'll put it in there enough. The scripture's on prosperity. You put that in there, praise God, there's enough power. It's a living thing. It'll flat make you rich if you will feed it in there and do it and believe it and talk it. Work that word. Well, don't limit the power of the word of God to salvation or the baptism with the Holy Spirit or prosperity or the angels or those things. It apply every scripture has got the power within it. Amen. And so I tell you what, those scriptures, I mean, it developed in me a loathing and a hatred for lying. One of the things God said to me in the midst of that, he said, the moment you catch yourself saying untrue, stop mid-sentence and repent to that person. And you tell them you just told them a lie. And ask him to forgive you. And I tell you, I had to do that about one and a half times. And that's not fun to do. You know, Mama, what I just said, that was a flat lie. I just want you to know I lied and I'm asking you to forgive me. That's not fun to have to do very often. But you know what? By taking the sword of the Spirit, it broke the power of that sin in my life. And the thing I now did, I once did without thinking, without feeling, I now hate and loathe. Now maybe your issue, it wasn't that. And don't judge me. I'm up here talking about me airing out all my laundry. But you got laundry. You got laundry. You know, maybe some of you guys, maybe some of you gals, you got, you got longing eyes and rubber necks. And a half good looking girl can't be within two miles of you without you drooling. You better, get the, you better get a hold of yourself. Well, the, there's scriptures that's going to talk about lust. Instead of doing a key, a key word search on prosperity, why don't you do a key word search on lust and make yourself a lust scripture list and do what I and just flat break the power of that sin in your life. You don't have to do it. The word is powerful enough to break that stronghold, right? and deliver you out of that sin. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's, let's look at one more. And there's many things that I could say. Uh, let's go over to 1 Corinthians 14. This will be our last verse. <clears throat> Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 14. Are you getting any help? About to lay hands on the sick before we go. Praise God. Be believing. We're going to see some miracles. Glory to God. See some bodies healed. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 14. And. Uh, mm, 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 mm. Glory to God. Verse 4. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4. Now, this, this may, you know. You probably wouldn't have thought of this as your help. But you know the Bible doesn't think like us. Amen. Praise God. Look at what this says in verse 4. He that speaks in an unknown tongue. What's it say? He edifies himself. He edifies himself. Anybody have the amplified? What does the amplified say? Stereo sound. Stop. Did you hear that? He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies and improves himself. Improves himself. Improves himself. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So listen, it, one of the ways, again, uh, to live in victory over your fleshly nature is to have a strong spirit. Well, how do I have a strong spirit? Well, you need to take in a rich measure of the word. Amen. But you need to pray much in other tongues. 
Praying in other tongues is like charging your cell phone. Hallelujah. Put power on it. You know, your cell phone works better with power than it does without power. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm telling you what, if you, you're struggling in some area, just turn your back on that area. Amen. And just spend some time. Father, I'm just praying. I'm in your presence. I'm praying for no other reason but to build myself up. Hallelujah. I need to be improved. I need to be edified. I need to be strengthened. Praise God. Amen. Right? Give the Holy Ghost in your spirit the, the lead, the sway. Amen. Right? And the stronger you get spiritually, hallelujah, the weaker your flesh is going to be. Amen. The Bible says in Jude, verse 20, Beloved, build yourselves up. On your most holy faith. How? By praying in the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. Amen. So there is this practical, supernatural application to speaking in other tongues that so many Christians know nothing about. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. I challenge you. I, 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 I try to sin and talk in tongues at the same time. Who's going to go into the liquor store and, and get, you know, get loaded up and get moshtakala? No, you're not going to do that. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, I'm telling you, amen, this is just such a key in my life. When I start sensing myself getting weak and something, and, and listen, you don't have to be in a spiritual posture. Amen. You don't have to be in a church building or a spiritual place. Amen. Praise God, won't you turn that honky-tonk off or whatever that CRAP is that you're listening to in your car or on your phone and turn that off. Amen. Put you some good instrumental on. Say, oh, Father, I thank you you're with me in this car. Hallelujah. Man, I'm just going to build myself up here. Praise yeah. God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, there's a lot more we can say. But I tell you, the, the Word of God is the recipe. It's going to tell you how to live in victory over sin. God's not mad at us. He's not out to condemn us. Amen. We just got to be spiritual people. Learn to live the in, from the inside out. Let the God in you dominate. Amen. That means you're going to let the love of God in you dominate. You're going to let peace dominate. Amen. You're going to let joy have its way. Amen. And you just learn to live out this. Your, your spirit, man, won't let you uh, lie. It won't let you be a person of, uh, you know, shady character. You, you don't even have to know the Bible. If you learn to follow your insides, right? Because you got God on the inside of you if you're truly saved. Amen. You're a new person in there. Praise God. Praise God. And just learn to live out of this new man. Glory to God. Well, you could stand up on your feet tonight. I'm trying to help you. I don't know if I'm helping you, but I'm doing my best. Glory to God. I love the word in that so much of it is practical application. Don't tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it, Pastor. <laughs> Amen. Well, I did, right? Put on the new man. Glory to God. Use the, use the sword of the Spirit against that sin. Just carve it right out of your character and pray in other tongues. Build yourself up. Edify yourself. Amen? Amen. Amen.